Hi, and welcome to another episode of Fitness and Friends. I am your humble host, Dr. Bob Ruano. My guest today is Pete Mangeau, and he'll be joining us in just a moment live from Alpharetta, Georgia. But first, I wanted to lay the groundwork for our conversation today. If you were just going by his social media bio, you'd assume this hard-charging, passionate alpha male was just born for success. Uh, he was a standout college athlete who could have gone to play minor league hockey and perhaps beyond. He chose to get into software sales instead, where he became ultra-successful, earning millions of dollars. He was married, had a daughter, dot, dot, dot. He found a passion for coaching and CrossFit, so he quit his software sales position, opened a gym, and lived happily ever after. If you were to assume all that, you'd of course be wildly mistaken, because the path to success, however you define that, is rarely linear. What's not described in that social media bio was that dot, dot, dot. It was full of addiction, reckless behavior, lack of self-control, destruction of close relationships, and near loss of life. Here to share his cautionary tale with us today is my good friend, Pete Mangeau. Pete, welcome to the show. Hey, man. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. So uh, Once again, I'm a little, bit, a little bit jealous of that intro. You look pretty good there. <laughs> hey, did you notice that Wadapalooza <laughs> picture in there? I did. I, find, I got in one of the photos. That's pretty yeah, cool. That's yeah, absolutely. Cool. So uh, you're there every week. Yeah, you're, you're doing you that every awesome. Awesome. I love it. So that so that intro, uh, as I described, is that uh, yeah. is is that a, accurate? I mean, it's accurate for the social media. Yeah, I guess. yeah, um, and that's that's what I meant. I mean, I you know. <laughs> yeah. All right. So before yeah, I mean before we get it into makes it though, me sad. It I, makes me kind of sad to, to hear it. <laughs> I, I, well, I didn't mean to do that uh, uh, because I think yeah. in the end it's uh, it's a beautiful story uh, and. It, uh, um, and uh, a powerful one at that. So uh, we'll, we'll get to that. But I wanted to share first with yeah. the viewers, you know, uh, how, how our paths crossed. Now, and so what's not mentioned in there is uh, Pete is uh, an elite CrossFit athlete uh, in the master's divisions. He won't, he, he won't admit to that, but he is. And I, <laughs> he, he's one of those guys who, uh, you know, I'd always keep an eye on, you know, as I was leaderboarding, you know, what did Manjo do, uh, you know, for this particular workout? And uh, we had the chance to, to meet and compete in 2017 or 2018. I think we were kind of throwing around which date that was. And, uh, and, you know, not knowing you personally, only seeing your scores and, you know, things that you post, <clears throat> you know, there's, there's intimidation. And, uh, and so when I got a chance to meet you, you know, here's this, this big dude that uh, looked pretty grisly. I know he had an MMA background, uh, nobody you wanted to mess with. And, uh, you know, and after meeting him, like, man, this guy's a... A, 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 tr a true gentleman. So uh, anyway, that's how we met. And actually, we've uh, that in that group of uh, individuals competing in that 2018 Wadapalooza um, uh, competition, uh, we've stayed close. Uh, we talk literally on a daily basis. Uh, as a matter of fact, I can't keep up with all the the conversations in that thread uh, that we've had going on since then. Um, yeah. You know, what, what started as you know just uh, just a way of bantering back and forth about you know. Who, who's cheating, who's doing poor reps, et cetera, uh, has turned into, I mean, we're, we're talking politics, we're talking, you know, uh, you know personal, personal things uh, we share with one another. Uh, and as a result, my, my wife is the one who actually coined the phrase CrossFit hens. Uh, so she's like, you guys are on the phone constantly, like a bunch of hens pecking all the time. <laughs> so I don't know if you knew that. That's where the name came from. 
That's awesome. So, anyways, Pete, That's welcome awesome. to the show. So, um, yeah, give us give us the rundown. Um, yeah, I, I didn't realize uh, you were you know a, a, an excellent hockey player as well prior to all this. Um, you know, uh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, I really consider this um, an honor to uh, to be able to share some of my story. Um, when you asked me uh, to do this, uh, there was absolutely no hesitation in my mind that uh, now was the, the perfect time for me to, uh, you know, to to share my story and, and kind of explain to folks, uh, you know, a little bit about what what it looks like on the other side of that mess that I created for myself. Um, but yeah, in the beginning, um, you know, New England prep school kid. Everybody, uh, you know, in the first prep school, I went to a couple of them, but um, the first, you know, school, the kids are all drafted. Uh, we had, you know, um, I had no doubt in my mind that uh, I was going to play in the NHL. I mean, that was, that was, there was nothing in my mind that said I wasn't going to do that. Um, I didn't know what the next step was, whether it was college or, or the Olympics or whatever, but I had, you know, I could, you couldn't tell me that anything was different. Right. Um, now, ultimately, I wound up uh, in a school in Vermont um, playing hockey up there and um, wound up being an All-American, ECAC All-American first team, um, was the captain of, of the uh, the hockey team, uh, got my first taste of uh, media stuff, did some some uh, a lot of interviews and things like that, um, which was kind of fun, mm-hmm. uh, and really just got the, the chance to, um, you know, kind of be a big fish in a little pond. Um, you had and, mentioned it uh, felt like everything was almost given to you at that point too. So far as, yeah, I mean, it, as, as far as I, it, when I look back at it, um, I, I had a lot of talent and, um, that talent, uh, I just don't, I honestly don't remember school being an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody says you went to college. I'm like, yeah, I did. I studied ice hockey. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, I know I went to class. I showed up for class. Um, you know, I literally, I, I even had teachers that loved the hockey team that, um, I, I think that I got good, better grades just because I was on the hockey team. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, that was it. But, um, so I never had any failure, mm-hmm. uh, in my life. Uh, I always had success and I always just assumed that I was going to be successful. Right. Um, so you know, uh, I decided I got invited to the, you know, Waterloo Blackhawks, like the United States Hockey League, like a little mini camp during the summer uh, after my senior year, Uh, went there, just decided that this just wasn't my thing, Um, (laughs) wasn't interested in the the low pay and and the amount of work that they wanted you to put in. And, And actually, I kind of from a sports standpoint, I had kind of gotten burnt out of, of the, the business side of athletics, uh, meaning uh, all through college. And then uh, hockey just wasn't as much fun. It was work. Right. Um, moved to Atlanta and, um, you know, one thing led to another. Met this guy that uh, was a software sales, like, genius, right, so to speak. Um, and uh, this is like 1996, 97. He's like, hey, we, I want you to come work for me and sell some software. Uh, and I'm at this time, literally, I I don't even have a computer, right? Um, I had to go to uh, an internet cafe 
pay by the dollar to uh, <laughs> to learn what like what a computer was. I had no idea. And yes, I went to college and I still had no idea what right. a computer was. Right. Um, and and he said uh, to me in the interview, um, you know, we're going to have you sell this software. It's related to this company called Microsoft, and and we think potentially that it has that that company has some potential, right? Um, so genius so friend you like got 90, there. Yeah. Huh? I said a genius friend you got there. <laughs> yeah, right? So this is like 97 or something like that, and and, uh, and all of a sudden I'm traveling all over the Southeast and somewhat of Latin America, Mexico, everything like that, uh, and everywhere I go, it's me and the Microsoft sales rep, and, and we're selling software for to basically validate Microsoft's existence in the in the business world, right? Because at that time, Microsoft was just considered something for like a home PC type thing. Um, and so, you know, I was in meetings all the time where people would say, hey, imagine if we could sell uh, XYZ uh, online. Imagine if like at Home Depot, I'd be at a meeting and they'd be like, imagine if we could actually list our products online and people could see what's in the store. And that was the meetings that we were having uh, and, you know, fast forward to today, uh, I mean, that's just like second nature, now, sure. right? That's everybody expects that. Um, so obviously selling tons of stuff, making tons of money, uh, and once again, having tons of success and really no, no skin in the game. I right. just figured that this was natural. This was normal. Uh, uh, and so, um, I never had any accountability built into my life. So when things started to, you know, when I started to believe my own BS, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and really, um, uh, I don't know how to explain it besides the fact that I just really believe my own BS right. and, uh, and nothing could stop me. Um, I didn't listen to anybody. I was right now all of the time, um, because obviously I made plenty of money, so I must be right. 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 Yeah. Like, uh, so I, my validation was completely by how much, how much money was in the bank. Yeah. Um, and the fact that Bob, if you and I were friends then, and I said, and I said, let's go to Vegas. And you were like, but it's eight o'clock. I'm like, so what? Yeah. Um, um, that's how it was. And so then the drugs started to enter into my life. And also, um, a lot of people, there's a lot of people out in this world that, um, will take advantage of that situation. Well, I was going to say you, you were, you were kind of a, yeah. a meal ticket, uh, to, to, uh, to like your, your crew. Yeah. I, I mean, I really feel like that's how it became. Um, and certainly, um, you know, without being disrespectful to my, to my ex-wife, um, I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure that's how our relationship developed. Right. right. Um, uh, because I was the center of attention. Um, but I was only in the center of attention because I had enough money to be the center of attention. Um, and so it goes back to that whole thing with athletics, right? It was like, I had that, that, um, I was the center of attention in college, right? Because of sports. Right. And now I'm the center of attention because of money. Um, so really nothing changed. Um, except for the fact that, um, you know, when you, when you start to do, uh, cocaine every single day, uh, well, you know, things are going to change sooner or later. Um, and, uh, you know, and they did. So, um, you know, when that drug stopped working, I needed something stronger. Right. So then all of a sudden it's crystal meth. So, um, you know, I'd be going into meetings high as a kite 
um, mm-hmm. or flying back and forth across the country and doing drugs on the plane or whatever. It doesn't matter. To me, I was nonstop, full-time, 100% wide-open throttle. Now, um, what, what, was the, what was the motivation initially? I mean, uh, did you feel like you were it – was, it was an exhaustion, so you wanted to pick me up? Uh, was it you got more attention you know, when the drugs were in play? Or You know, I think that it was a combination, to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, I think that the two things. One is that somewhere along the lines, I wasn't happy with whatever I had created. Okay. Um, and then on the flip side of all of that, I absolutely had the ability to go out. You know, I'm 28 years, like, let's call me 28 at this time, 29 years old. Okay. Um, uh, living in, in buying, you know, owning my own home, owning my own cars and everything like that, living in probably one of the most in Buckhead home in Buckhead. Yeah. Like I, from, if you don't know the Atlanta area, the Buckhead's like, it's where it's at. Right. right? Um, and so for me, um, I had the ability to do it. So the only problem with the, having the ability is that at three o'clock in the morning, when you finally come home, you're like, well, I got to be up. I got to be on a plane at seven. Yeah. I got to be at the airport at five. So, well, shit, I might as well, excuse my language. I might as well not go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Right. I might as well just keep going. Um, and so, uh, and again, my mentality, my whole life has always been uh, full throttle. Yeah. You know, um, no, there's no brakes. It's all gas. Yeah. Um, so with that being, you know, that whole combination uh, it's only time. It's only time will tell, right? Uh, you'll blow up somewhere. Something will happen. Um, and, um, so ultimately what happened was I had, uh, you know, a run in with, uh, with the police. Um, and, um, that turned into multiple run-ins with the police. Um, and, uh, so from my standpoint, when you had money, you can buy, a, you know, you have an attorney and everything like that, but it does slow you down. Yeah. Um, and it slows you down because it now becomes it's starting to weigh on your mind. Um, now, and uh, now you mentioned you, you, yeah. you had a. Um, you, you, did you have? Were you married at the time? Or was just was yeah. So by by two thousand and, and and I hate to say this because I don't even remember that's how much of a blur it is. Yeah. Uh, but in the early two thousands, um, right around nine eleven, that type of frame, I, I had gotten married. Um, you know, again get married in Las Vegas, probably to somebody that I didn't even know. Really. I actually, I didn't know her. Um, but, um, and, and start this wedding or this, this, this married life with just somebody that I had been partying with. Um, and, uh, so I just wasn't the greatest husband in the world at that time either. And, and, um, so that's when, um, you know, I'm traveling and we kind of speed this thing, whole thing forward. 2004, I'm in the delivery room. My wife's pregnant. She's having our first child. And, uh, lo and behold, you know, my daughter comes she's born and, and, uh, you know, she is not white. She is black. Mm-hmm. Um, and my wife is white. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, so now here's the thing. This is the first time in my entire life that my ego has been mm-hmm. fully adjusted. Right? Fully adjusted. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, um, I walked out of the delivery room. I, I still remember to this day. Mm. I walked down to the parking lot where my car was opened up the glove box or whatever, and had a little bag of dope in there. And I got high and I went on like an eight year bender. Eight year. Um, and, and I literally, um, 
Well, actually, it wasn't quite eight because I got sober in 2009. So about eight, six years. Mm-hmm. Um, but the um, that whole process, I remember it like it was yesterday because sure. I remember being in the parking deck. Um, and it's actually, ironically enough, like the same you know, hospital where I spent a bunch of time in the parking deck, uh, with Karen and her, her, uh, her illness now. Um, but, um, I got in the car and I was, and I never looked back and I, I literally went again, full throttle and decided that I was going to, uh, just basically party until I ran out of money. Um, and, um, and spend every single cent I had, um, and destroy, any semblance of a life that I had at that point in time. Mm. Um, so maybe it was my idea of, uh, trying to, uh, I don't know, maybe I was trying to kill myself. Who knows? Um, but, um, or maybe I just didn't have like, I didn't have what it took to kill myself. So I was just going to go ahead and destroy myself. Scuttle the ship. Um, And along those, along those lines, I wound up destroying every single relationship known to mankind that I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, with my parents, with my sisters, with my brother-in-laws, um, you yeah, name I'm, it. I'm sure, um, I'm sure I'm they sure confronted it. you multiple times. Uh, like, what are you doing, Pete? And Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. Uh, and they, and, and uh, multiple lifelines too. Right. Um, I would get, uh, arrested and, uh, you know, they would let me out of jail or I would get bonded out or whatever. And, um, and obviously you can't hold a job at this point in time, but I really didn't need a job because I still had money to spend. Um, and, uh, so, um, you know, it just became this, this vicious, vicious cycle. Um, uh, that just was just, just a, it's just a, it's like going down a drain really, really slowly. Yeah. Right. Um, to the point where, um, you know, I wound up homeless, completely homeless, uh, living in an old garage, um, literally no water, no nothing like that. Uh, just keep it as raw as possible, like pissing in a cup type thing. Um, you know, like just basically having, I had nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so from everything to absolutely nothing, uh, and, and really, and no friends, uh, no, no family that wanted to talk to me at the time. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause I burned all those bridges. Mm -hmm. Um, um, and not a cent to my name, um, unless I went out and, uh, somehow sold some drugs or did whatever I needed to do to, to, uh, to either eat or sleep that night or whatever, or find a place to sleep or right. find a place, something to eat. Uh, and wasn't really interested in eating as much as I was interested in probably just getting high again. Right. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, once again, though, full throttle, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so like if the, 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 the theme of my life has always been full throttle, yeah. um, was, uh, um, you know, was in jail, um, wound up, you know, going to court, uh, at this point in time, I, I couldn't afford an attorney anymore. Um, and, uh, this time I, you know, of all the other times I was able to kind of slip through somehow this time they're like, the guy said, you know, enough's enough, you know, you're looking at the rest of your life in prison. Um, and, uh, and that, at that point in time, um, I still remember that courtroom. I remember everything about the courtroom and, and, uh, and it wasn't a decision that needed to be made that day, but he made it very clear that, um, unless something changed, uh, within the next, you know, before I went back to court the next time and I was still in jail at that time, right. Or 
whatever you want to call it. I spent about a year in there waiting for all this stuff. Um, yeah. So I had all this time to think. Yeah. Right. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know how to explain that whole feeling, right. Of being in, uh, it's jail is jail, prison, whatever is horrible. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. Um, it's, it's horrible. It's, uh, it's probably the, the, the worst experience, regardless of what anybody does that you could, at least for me anyways, uh, the amount of anxiety that you have, yeah. uh, or that I have, uh, uh, was just, it, it's, it's something I didn't even know I had inside of me. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, um, started going to some AA meetings while I was locked up and uh, I thought maybe that was going to be the, the tip. I didn't know exactly what I was going to do or how I was going to do it. Um, I literally managed to get a hold of an old contact of mine um, in, you know, uh, in, in through when I came through the jail, like through the you know payphone system, she answered the phone. She got me introduced to a, a rehab facility um, I had my attorney or the, uh, present the rehab to, uh, the judge and, um, he signed off on it. So, uh, about, um, I don't know, a month or so later, uh, they, they brought me to this rehab facility and, and, uh, you know, in handcuffs and, and, and uh, dropped me off at the front of the facility with the police and everything like that. And they didn't just uh, it wasn't just like one police officer dropping me off. Like they, they are like in their full combat gear. I mean, like you think that I, uh, I ruined the world. Uh, <laughs> like and, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, and, uh, the woman, I remember, uh, Marilyn Maddox, a wonderful woman, wonderful woman. Um, I sat down with her and, uh, she said, you can come here, but it's $800 and I need payment right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the police are standing there. I'm sitting down. I have no money, mm-hmm. like zero. Uh, and uh, so I'm like, can I make a couple phone calls? And got on the phone, called my dad. He told me to, you know, F off. And he didn't believe a damn thing I was doing. And he hung up on me. Mm-hmm. So there was that one. Uh, tried a few other people, same, same response. Um, finally got a hold of my sister, Barbara. Um, and, uh, she said, I'll pay half. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that was the words. And, uh, so I asked Marilyn if she'd take half and she said, I'll take half today. I need their second half by Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, all right, I got it. I'll figure it out. And here it is like my addict mind. I'm going to do something crazy, whatever it was, yeah. I'm going to get it done. Um, and, uh, you know, one thing I said, okay, the police leave, they leave me there. I'm free. Finally, after being, you know, um, locked up for, I guess, well over a year. Um, and, uh, and that weekend there was a guy in my, um, a guy by the name of Eric Swain and I'll never forget it. He, uh, he's like, I know how you can make the, 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 the $400. And, uh, and I'm like, listen, I, I, here we go. Like, it's just like, (laughs) you know, like, one junkie talking to another junkie basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, um, what she got for me. And so, uh, uh, he's like, he had that, he had about $20 and we went out and bought, um, some spray paint and some stencils 
And he said, we're going to drive around to all these houses in this neighborhood and, and we're going to paint their, the number on underneath their mailbox for, for 20 bucks each. Uh, and, uh, all you got to do is go up to the door, knock on the door, ask them if we can do it. If, and if they're inter- interested in, we'll paint it right there. Yeah. Uh, and we did, we, we did, when I did that and started knocking and we just kept knocking and knocking and knocking and I knocked for two days straight. Um, until we got the 400, had to pay for all the paint and everything like that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Monday morning gave, uh, Marilyn the, the second payment. Uh, and I had 30 days to figure out how to come up with the next $800. Yeah. Um, you know, but at least I was on the right path. Yeah. Right. Um, so, uh, I guess the, 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 the point of all of that is that when your back's up against the wall or you're finally sick of doing the same thing, you're capable of almost anything. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and that's, and that's, that's really, seem, that seems like kinda, that's been your, yeah. your mentality. You, you, you use that. Um, like you said, it's, uh, and, and maybe for a lot of people, they, they, they can't dig deep enough or they don't have that, that, that grit mentality that maybe that you possess. And so like to, to turn that train wreck around, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty impressive, Pete. You know? Um, well, I appreciate it. Uh, and I'm, I, I guess, uh, it took a, a lot of people and a lot of, a lot of assistance along the way, um, for that to happen. It wasn't like I did it by myself. Um, um, thankfully, you know, I was able to, to, um, you know, piecemeal together some jobs, but you can imagine even, you know, even I guess we're going back 2009 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and again, that's the hard part for me is everything's so blurry. Um, like I really can't remember what happened from probably 1999 to probably 2008. Uh, it's just a complete blur. Um, when we were talking earlier, uh, you said that when you were faced with the potential of spending 80 years in jail, that was, mm -hmm. that was what was thrown at you initially, right? 80 years or something crazy. Yeah, basically the rest of my life at that point in time. <laughs> uh, Pete told me earlier, he said, well, if I'm going to be spending time in jail, this is, this is the way this guy thinks. If I'm going to be spending 80, you know, the rest of my life in jail, I need to learn how to defend myself. And so, uh, so you hooked up with uh, a, it was a, a, a kickboxing dojo or something and, and asked, what is the, the most fierce fighting style there is? Yeah, and that totally. Industry should, uh, yeah, so I had, I had no aspirations of, of boxing or, or anything like that. Um, I literally just wanted to know what was the most violent form of hand to hand combat that someone would teach me in the shortest period amount of time, because I was absolutely convinced that one, I didn't have any faith in myself that I could actually go through the program because mm-hmm. mind you, not only did I have to complete the rehab program, which turned out to be 18 months, um, of rehab, um, like in, in house rehab, not like, uh, going to Malibu and, and, and yeah. doing 30 days and I'm cured. Right. Like we're talking almost two years right. of rehab, um, uh, and curfews and everything like that. Okay. That's totally fine. It's way better than prison. But, uh, and then an additional eight years of mandatory probation check-ins. Right. So like, I didn't think I had it in me. Yeah. Um, I had, I, I really did not think that I could go, the entire time in my life, um, or eight more years, seven more years or whatever I had left. I can't remember exactly what the things are. Thank God it's over now. Yeah. But like, um, 
I would go into like complete cold sweats in a car if a police officer even was within 15 feet of my vehicle and I'm at a light. Yeah. Um, I would just like total PTSD type thing. Um, and I just didn't think I had it in me. So yeah, I went to figure it out. I said, Hey, I need to, I need to figure this out. I, I need to figure this out because I literally need to, um, learn how to protect myself. And I had already been in countless, um, brawls or whatever you want to call it in, mm-hmm. in, in jail already because, uh, and this is a whole different story, but like, there's just, there's a, inside those walls, there's like very, very strict rules as far as like, uh, every race has its own little group and they don't cross each other. And, and like, it's, it's pretty bad, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion. Um, and so like those things, boil over quite often Mm -hmm. and you have to protect your, you got to protect yourself. You got to be able to protect yourself. Um, and this is coming from a guy that, you know, at one point in time led the country in penalty minutes in college, (laughs) right? Like I had I had no problem fighting. I I actually loved it. Right. But I literally felt like I could not protect myself in this scenario and I needed to figure out how to fight. So yeah, I learned how to, um, um, Muay Thai. I I learned Muay Thai. Yeah. Yeah. Muay Thai. Um, and ironically enough, uh, it wasn't enough. Um, I actually had to, uh, not only did I have to learn it, but then I decided I'm going to go ahead and, 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 and fight the cage or fight the ring. Um, and, uh, I even had to go get my probation officer to sign off on me to drive to South Carolina for a fight at 10 o'clock at night in a cage <laughs> against a guy that was like 250 pounds. I was like 190, maybe 200 at the time. Um, and, uh, and it was like in a parking lot at the Quaker steak and lube. I'll never forget it. <laughs> and there's a gazillion people screaming, drunk, whatever. Um, and, uh, here I am, I'm like, well, you know what? It's full throttle again. Yeah. Like I am, you know, like there's just, here's my life. It's full throttle, full throttle. Um, and so how do I asked myself the question right around that whole period of time. I said, okay, I can go back into software sales if they'll take me, right? Um, which is, was maybe, maybe not, because I had recruiters actually calling me, ironically enough. Mm. Um, or um, I said to myself uh, in, 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 in one moment, I said, well, what is the thing that made you the most happy? Mm-hmm. And you enjoyed the most. And I said, said to myself, I said, it was the locker room of my hockey team. Mm. Like, I love that feeling of being in the locker room. I love the feeling of, uh, being able to kind of jaw back and forth with people. Um, I love the feeling of the competitive side of what it feels like to even have a teammate, but you also are like, man, he's so much better than I am at that. And like, in and, and that kind of, interpersonal con- like competitive side of things like right. that. We can, we're, 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 we're competitors, but we're friends. Right. The camaraderie, uh, the camaraderie. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, and then I couldn't, I can't explain to you the feeling that I have, uh, or had when I would go into the rink. Um, didn't matter what was going on outside of the world. Right. As soon as I walked into that rink, I was 100% focused on my task. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I wanted to figure out a way to share that experience um, with others. Mm-hmm. And so, to, you know, fast forward, that's why we uh, I opened the gym was that, um, 
and called it Zanshin, right? It's Zanshin's a ready, you know, constant state of ready to awareness. It's that that feeling you get right before the clock goes three, two, one, where it's like you're hyper focused. Nothing else matters. It doesn't matter if you've got bills to pay or uh, you know, kids got in trouble or whatever the thing is. Right at that point in time, your your sole purpose is trying to figure out how to get through the next ten minutes of that workout. Um, so. Um, that's why, uh, you know, that's where I figured, you know what, not only can I stay sober because I'm going to be doing my service work every day and trying to help other people, but I'm also going to be able to share with them, uh, the same experience that I had, which made me the happiest. Right? Well, I was going to say, that, it, that it sounds like that, that trip to that, uh, to that Jojo dojo or, the, or that type of training, uh, you found, yeah, you, you, you found a passion within you, like, uh, a much better direction. How how can I help people? And it was coaching. Uh, not only that, uh, I think you had mentioned too. That's where you met the love of your life as well. The early stages. Yes. Yeah. No. T- totally. Yeah. Well, I, I also knew, and it's not really a secret, right? That um, when I wasn't uh, at the learning how to do Muay Thai, I was uh, roofing houses. I was uh, spraying lawns with chemicals, which I constantly sprayed myself in the face with that, that, that hose. I can't tell you how many times, <laughs> right? Uh, I worked landscaping, um, and we're talking Atlanta uh, in the middle of the summer, and uh, it, it's not. that. Those are I'm like, okay, all of these jobs are jobs that they will hire me because of my background, right? and none of them are jobs that I want to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, like it just, you know, it's no slight to those jobs. It's just not what I wanted to do. Um, so I needed to find a job that would pay me potentially, but at the same time that I could also maintain my sobriety um, and also enjoy myself just a little bit. So I knew that by going into um, any type of personal training or anything like that, I wasn't going to become a millionaire, um, but I was okay with that um, just based on the fact that um, I didn't do that well with money the first time around anyway, so I was okay with not having money the second time around. So we got, um, we're, and, we're working yeah. on what, Pete? 13 years now, huh? Yeah. Um, and again, that's one of those things where I, every year I ask Karen, uh, I'm like, is it, is it, do I have 12 or do I have, like, it's one of those things where it's so convoluted to me. I have to go back and, and look at my arrest records actually to see where, um, you know, where I was and what dates and, and yeah. yeah, about 13 years. And, um, and I feel great. I, I literally feel great. Not once, um, do I think about having a drink or, or, um, or doing drugs or anything like that. You have dreams every once in a while. Sometimes you'll have a dream, uh, that you fell off the wagon or something happened like that. And it's just a dream. It just happens. It's just the way life is. Yeah. Um, but um, and I think that a lot of that has to do with whether or not you have a ton of anxiety or, or stress in your life with other things. You know, I, I uh, um, again just yeah. just from through our conversations in the last couple of years, it, it seems like well, you, you were fulfilled. Maybe maybe those drugs and the alcohol, all of that was to fill a void that uh, that was lacking. Uh, but now, yeah, with with the passion, with your gym, uh, a beautiful looking facility. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the love affair, of, you know, you and Karen, uh, yeah, you just seem really, really fulfilled. And, and that, uh, yeah. for me, that, that, that defines success. It's not the, it's not the zeros in the bank account. Yeah. So the zeros in the bank account do help. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and, and I, and, you know, it's just like anything else, like Karen this year and, and, um, you know, she's gone through her stuff the last couple of years and, and, uh, it's been a, it's been a super struggle for her. Um, and, uh, but you know, like the other, I guess it was last year. She's like, will you please buy a new truck? Right. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I was driving the same truck that I bought when I got sober, like literally the same exact truck I had been driving it. And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with this truck. It mm -hmm. gets me from point A to point B. It's very simple, right? Um, and she's like, you work so hard. Uh, you really deserve to buy yourself something um, and appreciate it. And I tell you what, every time I bought a new uh, Ram uh, truck, and I love it, and uh, every time I get in it, I'm, um, I'm super proud of myself, um, or I'm super proud of, of being able to drive it to the gym, whatever the case may yeah. be. It just makes me um, feel just a, a touch bit more accomplished than my old truck, which the windows didn't work. The AC didn't work, <laughs> you know, but nothing it, worked, it's, but, it, but it's, it worked, but it, the car got me to where I needed to go. It's gratitude. It's gratitude. Yeah. You know, when you, you, know, you could have bought whatever car truck you wanted uh, back in the, uh, the 90s, uh, late 90s, early 2000s, uh, but probably didn't have the appreciation or the, like you said, the gratitude that you have now. Well, let me ask you one thing. I, you know, no there's, doubt. There's like two finishing questions I usually ask, but I don't think we need to, to, to go there with this one. I, I think a more important question is if somebody is struggling, you know, and dealing with what mm -hmm. you went through, I mean, what would your advice be to them? What could they do today, right now? Wow, that's all. That's an amazing question. Um, you know, the first thing that they absolutely could do is um, is try to express to to someone else how they feel. Mm -hmm. um, that's probably the most difficult thing to do because, as an addict, we sometimes feel different than everybody else. Um, and like no one will understand um and ironically enough there's a lot of us out there and a lot of us don't you don't have to be addicted to drugs to be an addict right like you could be addicted to a lot of other things or you could have your own things going on in the world and the reality of it is this that the principles of things like aa and so forth really really work in almost any environment mm -hmm. right in the reality like you and i talked about at one point in time if someone's having an issue they need to reach out to somebody else um uh, and and really try and do their best to just explain how they're feeling if they can get some of that off their chest i think they'd be way better off than trying to hold it all in and then hide it i yeah. think that's really the biggest thing is that we have a tendency to hide our our pain or our emotion and then we allow that to boil over um, and, you know, and then worse, and bad things can happen. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that, and I'll share this real quick, is that one of the things that I'm passionate about this year is that I'm beginning to um, work on a program that's going to allow people, um, we're going to try and set up a scholarship program, which will allow people to, um, in that scenario, come into the gym um, and maybe have a, a scholarship membership for a couple months or whatever. Um, get some, some people involved and some businesses involved and I'm working on the grassroots of that now. I've always wanted to do that where um, we can provide a community aspect and a community gym and, and give people that 
you know, newly divorced or the kid that's stuck at home because both parents work and he really wants to or she really wants to work out. Any of those things, we can fill out an application, um, get a scholarship, get into the gym, get around other healthy people. Right. Uh, and just being in that healthy community, I think it's going to be super beneficial to a lot of people. I love that, Pete. And, uh, and I think conversations like this really open up uh, and create opportunity for those who, yeah, maybe kind of keeping those skeletons in the closet, getting them out and, and knowing they're not alone. Um, and somebody who's been through it and, has, you know, and come out the other side, uh, like yourself, uh, I think is a great resource. So, Pete, again, thanks, thanks for joining me today. Uh, you know, there's a lot of other places we could go with this one, so we might have to do a follow-up uh, maybe with the hens here uh, uh, later down the road. But, uh, again, yeah, maybe not. Yeah, today. absolutely. There's a lot, like I said, there's a lot to unpack. Yep. All right, Pete, I'll, I'll call you in just a little bit. We'll wrap up, but uh, I'm going to say goodbye here to our viewers, and um, I'll cool. talk to you in just a bit. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure, Pete. Thanks, buddy. You bet. And thank you all for joining. Um, you know, if uh, you know if it's a, an addiction, whether it's a, a drug or alcohol or maybe food, uh, you know, whatever your your cross that you're bearing, uh, reach out, get some assistance, get some help, talk about it because uh, that will really uh, in, inspire you to uh, to continue on. And uh, you know, let's just say it is a, a weight loss issue. Don't make big changes. Don't go on this calorie-restrictive diet or exercise seven days a week. It's the small changes, the small decisions that we make day in, day out, thousands of them, um, that will create these tiny threads that combine will create a twine that is unbreakable and keep you on your path uh, to whatever goals or successes, however you define that is. Hope you guys have a great week. Thanks for joining us.